Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. And joining us on the podcast is BIV reporter Patrick Blennerhassett. Patrick, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. So, I, enjoy, I enjoy the punishment, so that's why I come back. We I'm love punishing you. I'm a masochist. <laughs> so tell us, you've been writing about the Whitecaps this week in the newspaper. What's going on with them? Yeah, so uh, the Whitecaps came to me and they said, uh, hey, look, uh, we want to give you some embargoed information. Uh, we want to open up the whole lower bowl for the season opener, uh, which is really interesting. I think the the total uh, head count for that is something like uh, 20, uh, 27,837 people. So they've done this a few times for playoff games against the Galaxies, against other other teams. So I said, okay, <clears throat> okay, that's great. Uh, maybe we can try to do a story on this. But uh, then I started looking into why the Whitecaps are doing well and the Canucks aren't doing well and the Lions aren't doing well and the Canadians are kind of wishy-washy. They're doing okay. Um, <clears throat> and what I found is that there's a, a survey done by uh, Simmons out of the U.S. that found about 40% or 44% of all MLS fans are between 21 and 30 so this is massive because, you know, the NFL is predominantly, I want to say like over 55 white males, right? And the NBA is fairly old. The NHL is older. Baseball has got a very old demographic. So this shows that the MLS um, has one really good thing going for is that millennials love soccer. I think this is a first generation <laughs> where you're growing up, you're playing this at school, you're, you've got those orange slices that the uh, moms give you after every game. So I, I think this is <laughs> really... going into his childhood Yeah, here. but yeah. this is really kind of ingrained into culture in a way that it wasn't in previous generations. And yeah. I think that's one of the big factors here. It's also more affordable, I think. Yes. Yeah. You want to go and see the yeah. Canucks. And more lively, I would argue, too. It's a yeah. fun sport to watch. Yeah, there's a complaint uh, not too long ago that there's just there's shushing going on at like <laughs> Rogers. You know, there's fans really? being like too like engaged with what was going on Shushing, yeah. yeah this is such a vancouver story though where it's it's that like, that's total vancouver story yeah. you sit and you watch it very seriously very intense no, you know don't yeah. get don't don't cheer too loud right and yeah. there's even um what what are the uh, the big fans called that go to the uh Southsiders? yeah I, I think a whole bunch of them showed up to rogers arena for a canucks game and they were like told to uh, leave like they were being too loud and security asked oh, this is like five six years ago Security asked them to leave because they were being too loud and, and into it, whereas it's embraced at these Whitecaps games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen a couple of fights at Whitecaps games. Like, not that that's something that you want, but why, why were you getting into fights? I Patrick? know I wasn't actually oh, fighting, um, okay. but it, it's interesting because I remember as a kid when I lived in Vancouver going to BC Lions games, and this was sort of uh, this would have been early '90s. Um, I saw multiple fights and people running on the field. I mean, those were like dust-ups. Whenever you saw a Lions game and people came in on the SkyTrain, like, it was madness. Like, it was just... I, I saw some guy punch the Lions mascot in the face one game. And that's obviously been cleaned up. It was the same with the Canucks during sort of that heyday was... There's a lot more fighting in the game and, you know, there's a lot more sort of rowdiness in the fans. But you're right. I mean, it feels like the Canucks have been pacified a little bit. It corporatized. Corporatized. To a it, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people buying, you know, season tickets, uh, these corporate accounts. And so are you really going to bring a client to a game and get, 
just hammered and, and start shaking the lapels of the people around you like probably well, I, I would personally but i don't yeah, know if that'd yeah. be a good corporate move <laughs> but it's funny because i went to the canada i don't know if you guys went to the canada versus mexico game where they open up the upper bowl last year it was last year the year before and that was incredibly rowdy you had kids running on the field at the end of the game i mean i somebody threw a beer from the upper deck to the lower deck the guys beside us were like through a chair and they were screaming the whole mm-hmm. match in Mexican or sorry Spanish and like not that that's like if you've ever been overseas like I've been to an Italian soccer game and I feared for my life like it was like some guy beside me open up a flare so it's <laughs> wow. like if you go to other places in the world like the soccer is rowdy I mean we're just sort of not rowdy here so no and I but I think we're we're not at the level of fan enthusiasm for the sport you'd see, say, in South America or Italy yeah, or the yeah. UK. But the sport does we, we have that. We just riot over hockey. Yeah. That, that's all it is. <laughs> I know. That's <laughs> our sport. But but it does have that sort of culture embedded in it. So as we get a greater fan base for football or soccer, you know, I, I can see why it comes with some liveliness. We're, we're attracting hooligans to this town. The hooligans. Yeah. 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 You know what? I, I like it. I think it's great. I mean, I love the Southsiders. I love I I've had we had season tickets a couple of years ago. We sat in the Rain City Brigade Brigade Stadium. And that's where I saw a couple of fights. And it's like, I mean, it's all kind of in good fun. I remember the refs were leaving after one game and people are throwing beers at them. And then they started throwing beers at the Kia car. That was sort of stationed in the entrance. So we know now so. what you look for yeah, when it comes time to see. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you want a little bit of excitement and danger when you go to a, a pro sports game, right? Like you don't want to be just sitting danger. there clapping like it's golf, right? Okay. I, don't know. I, I think it's worth saying though. So my experiences at Whitecaps games have not quite been to the level <laughs> of your experiences. It has been more lively. People are on their feet when things are happening. The Southsiders are there, but I've also seen a lot of fans. Families there. Too. True. So I, I yeah, don't yeah. want people to get the sense from our podcast that it's this rowdy no, no, mess. No, no, yeah. But it's an affordable family outing and yeah. it's a fun one to watch and it'll last uh, a couple hours and you can have a good time. Well, you've got 17 home games. You're looking, if you want cheap seats, there's pretty, not, there's pretty much not a bad seat in the lower bowl if you're watching soccer. So you can get in 20, 25 bucks. You have a beer. Um, it's two hours. They're usually the games are usually they have was it four o'clock or seven o'clock on a on a weekend and then one weeknight game every couple weeks. You think about the Canucks and what you'd pay for season tickets and the fact that they've got what is it forty one home games or something like that over the course of a season. You got the BC Lions where you got a game that could drag on three plus hours. Um, it was interesting because I talked to a professor, Luis Aguar. He actually teaches at University of British Columbia's Okanagan campus. And he actually taught a course on Ronaldo, a sociology course on Ronaldo's sort of appeal around the world. And he called the Whitecaps the cosmopolitan team. And I, I don't think he means it in sort of the traditional sense. I think he means it in sort of the millennial hipster sense as like craft beer as uh, having a good meal going out to the game and sort of watching something that's a bit more fluid Uh, you think of the stop and start mentality of the NHL and the uh, NFL in particular I mean these are difficult sports to watch if you don't like commercials and if you don't like commercial breaks right you don't get that with soccer Um, And he talked about how the sort of technology that sort of millennials have grown up with 
has really made them less inclined to want to sit through something that's just constantly stopping and starting. You know, soccer game, you got 45 minutes, have a break, 45 minutes, you're out of there, right? So definitely- Millennial impatience. Millennial millennial impatience, right? (laughs) So yeah, I I can totally see why this is happening. I mean, you look at uh, David Beckham and and, uh, Miami recently with a new MLS franchise. Um, this league is, has no ceiling because they are tapping into fans that are just starting to get into the sports market. And there's, there's, seems like there's no roof for the MLS. So, well, Patrick, I look forward to seeing your mugshot in the next couple of police <laughs> releases following these games. Uh, why don't you stick around? Haley and I, we're going to each share a story. <laughs> Do we want him to stick around? I'm a little nervous about what's <laughs> yeah, well, happening. Let me go have a beer and I'll rip my shirt off yeah, and I'll run back. <laughs> Well, if you choose to stick around, uh, Patrick, Haley and I, after the break, we're going to each tackle a story but that's uh, kind of catching our eyes within uh, business news this week. But for now, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, Give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714-3600 or else check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. Haley, what's catching your attention this week in business news? I think one of the biggest BC stories this week is ICBC and its severe financial struggles. Just to recap some of the key numbers, already three quarters of the way into the fiscal year at the end of Q3, ICBC was running at a $935 million loss. That's expected to reach $1.3 billion by March 31st, which is the end of the fiscal year. Already that $935 million loss, it's more than double the loss of the entire fiscal year previous. Patrick, does it make you thankful that you don't drive? That you're a cyclist? I do drive now, yeah. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. I, I you bought a car, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I have, to get my, I have to get to and from hockey. Yeah, I forgot I, about that. Did did the am I wrong? Did the attorney general call ICBC a dumpster fire? Yes. Yeah. So the oh financials my. were uh, yeah <laughs> like that. So very I mean, vivid that, imagery uh, from David Eby. Yeah. Hey, yeah. that kind of sums it up right there. Is is that's what's going on there? Yeah. I mean, they're dealing with um, higher payouts for claims. Uh, they're also trying to deal with fraud. It's just a whole you know confluence of events going on right now that it doesn't spell you know much good news for ICBC users. But I think so one of the the key events that happened this week too is it emerged that there had been some removal of key solutions and details from an EY report in 2014. Another, a second report came out in 2017 and I I don't think there's any evidence to show that that had had uh, any editing done to it. But there's some concern that government was sitting on for three plus years information that ICBC was facing severe financial struggles and chose not to disclose the severity of it and also it appears chose not to take any drastic measures. I I want to address the elephant in the room is that I I think people should not be surprised because we this is an anomaly. Like most provinces and most countries they they have privatized car insurance. <laughs> like this is this is not something that's incredibly 
uh, regular for a sort of government to run. Like well, this is something that, you know, usually the private market handles this type of stuff, right? Well, let, let's say we go to a private model yeah. and uh, the argument is like, oh, we're automatically going to get cheaper rates. I don't think that's the case. I think we actually have relatively True, yeah. cheap rates uh, just on like a global perspective. The other thing is, okay, so we go to a private model. How do they make the rates less than what they are right now? It's by denying more people. And denying more claims. And yeah, so yeah. You, you do wonder about the fairness of this all. So th- there, there's a lot of problems with regards to going to that privatized model. Th- there's a reason why we yeah. have this model in the first place as well. So I say this as somebody who gave up driving about three years ago, and I haven't looked back since. I, but I, I do wonder if th- there's going to be a lot of... Um, dousing of flames that needs to happen for this model to work out much better than what it is right now. Yeah, you, you think about why rates are so low, but I mean, I had a car like four or five years ago, then I didn't have a car for about three or four years. And when I renewed my sort of insurance, it was like six or $700 more. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's going up and up and up. It's gone. It's definitely gone up and it's definitely got more expensive. And you look at, you know, where are they going to get $900 million to sort of plug this hole? And nobody's going to want to raise rates. Nobody's going to want to see uh, more expensive insurance. So it's like, I think they might have to though. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's true. But I mean, it, it's it, Tyler, you might know sort of the history of this. It's the SoCred government that sort of had that kept this and the, and the liquor store and the lottery like back in the 80s, or was it an NDP government that sort of, it's sort of this weird holdover where we have these things that are government run that pretty much everybody else does privately, you know, the lottery corporation, uh, the liquor stores and car insurance. Um, These are things that I want to say, I'm just going to, I usually don't say this, but I think capitalism is best. Put it in the private market let the businesses fight over it. If you don't like your insurance, you get rid of it and you go somewhere else. You can't leave ICBC. And that's why people hate ICBC is because you have to deal with them, right? Yeah. So that's that's my thought. That's my rant. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> uh, why don't we stick around talking about the, the province because they are cracking down right now on these ride hailing services, not the Ubers or the Lyfts. Those ones are not operating currently in the province. But we have other things like Long Mao, U-Drop, Ding dang carpool. These are these smaller players that are actually still recruiting drivers. So the province says is like, look, you as a driver, you can't do that. They've fined 20 people. They've issued 23 cease and desist orders to these drivers. Essentially, it's just easier to crack down on the drivers than it would be for the passengers or the companies because there's legislation and regulations in place. Uh, But Haley, I, I think this really shows that there's still huge market demand for these services that are being provided here. And we don't have any real information from the province about when we can expect or if we can expect these services to arrive in British Columbia. Yeah, we're still waiting on that. We'll have a throne speech to look forward to. The first one from uh, our NDP government and then the first full budget too. So I don't know if we'll get any indication there of what's to come. We're expecting something, I think, in the spring with implementation potentially in the fall. But we have not heard any indication about what this might look like? Well, I wouldn't expect anything from the throne speech because they did say that they wanted an industry review to come forward first before they say anything. That's expected sometime early this year. And they've been very, very you know, opaque with regards to when it would come into play, if at all. So yeah, like you said, there's some thoughts that might be at the end of the year, but it might not be. Like we don't know anything right now. 
I read the uh, mobility commission report that they had the yeah. the provincial government sort of contracted out, and I was amazed at how little uh, ride hailing was mentioned in it. Like it seemed like an afterthought, and I don't know if that's because they're sort of working on it separately. But if you think about, um, you know, it's a commuter tax essentially is what mobility pricing is. Um, ride hailing is a huge part of that in cities that have it because people who sort of commute uh, a short distance that don't want to get hit by that tax, they use ride hailing like Uber and Lyft to basically sort of circumvent that. So they don't get hit by the extra insurance. They don't get hit by the tolls. They just get in a car that they don't own. So if we're going to sort of toy around with, uh, you know, mobility pricing and a commuter tax, we got to have ride hailing up and running and we got to have the bugs worked out too, right? So it's got to be up for like a year at least. Guys, doesn't it just seem like something that is inevitable? Like it's going to have to come into the province somehow, but we've just been dragging our feet on this for years and years and years. And Mm. I'm not saying I agree with tactics taken by Uber where, you know, you you drop in and then ask uh, for forgiveness rather than for permission. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. But Mm. I don't know, the the foot dragging we're seeing here in the province, it just makes me really rub my chin and wonder what the thought process is. Especially since we're not the first ones figuring this out. I know there have been challenges in other jurisdictions, and of course every jurisdiction is going to be a little bit unique. But we can look to other Canadian provinces, you can look to other cities around the world to figure this out at this point, right? Excellent. Patrick, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And Haley, if somebody wants to find you on uh, the podcast world or on social media, where would they go? They can find me on social media via my handle at Haley Wooden. And if they want more podcasts, more radio shows, more business news, they can head on over to BIV.com and we have a brand new site which you can check out. It's looking spiffy and you can find me at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. And lastly, this podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accounts and Business Advisors. And you've been listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast. Thank you very much.